This is Soundtrack, a music podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life, because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kyle Lichty. Hey, everyone. I'm here with Justin Neamey. How's it going, man? Going good, man. How are you? Doing well. You're coming live out east uh, in the, the burbs of Detroit, in yes. Rochester. <laughs> We've known each other, I want to say 2008, 2009. It was, you, yeah, that's been a while, man. That it's, music video. Yeah, oh, yeah, the old music video shoot. Yeah. So, yeah, that's been a long time. I know. <laughs> nail, nail, nail down a year. I, I, can't, I can't, but, you know, yeah. So that's when we met. Yeah. And so I've already interviewed Tim and, and Kyle, and now we're wrapping up the trilogy of <laughs> Except the Ordinary. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll talk about that. But since then, you know, we, we've always talked about our love of you 2 Yeah. And I remember all the times you would come out to the soccer games that we would play. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so. that was, yeah, was a good time. Oh, yeah. So you're originally from the burbs of Detroit, yeah. been all over. And what was that like living in the burbs? It, it was interesting. I mean, my parents got divorced, so it was single mom. So we moved around a lot. And, you know, born in Pontiac, you know, lived in Pontiac, East Detroit, Oak Park, Lake Orion. So it was kind of all over the place. But, you know, I got to... I did get to see a lot of places. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are, I mean, just from my knowledge of each of those burbs that you mentioned, that's a pretty wide ranging array of, of, of the Detroit burbs. Oh yeah. It was definitely, you know, cause I'd be changing schools and then having friends and like the social, like kind of attitude of like each one of those more affluent areas as opposed to less, you know what I mean? Yeah. That was definitely weird. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about music. You have uh, quite the background with both your parents. Uh, yeah. Your mom loves music. Your dad was a musician. Uh, talk about their interests or what got you hooked on music because of them. Well, I mean, being around it, you know, always listening to it with my mom in the car, always jamming to the radio. Um, and then my father, uh, is a guitarist. And then, you know, I'd go to, I'd see his band, you know, your band that he'd be in. He'd take me to, to band practice, you know, being able to see that dynamic and like seeing how it works. And then I got to see that from a very young age and, uh, just growing up and then it's just always been around. It's just yeah. always there. Do you know what kind of band your dad was in? Yeah, it was like rock stuff. At least from my memory, you know, it was always rock-based um, groups. So. so, like covering songs, or was uh, I think it there, yeah, some covers. I think there, I think there was originals and and covers. I was also pretty young to you know, if they did like maybe an Eric Clapton cover or something like that. Yeah. I didn't know it, you know, when I was, you know, 11 and I didn't realize it maybe then, but yeah, that's what it was. And then I remember once actually 
a rehearsal with my dad, I got to jump behind the drums for a little while. At first, I wanted to be a drummer. Actually, I didn't. Uh, I picked up bass later. Uh, yeah, that was that was my big thing. Was I wanted to be a drummer, so I wanted to try it out. Played drums in, you know, middle school and high school band. I didn't know you played drums. It's 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 okay. I'm not I'm not super confident, but um, yeah. But yeah, when I can I can get along, you know, when nobody's when nobody's paying attention, I guess. <laughs> so I'm curious, you know, your your mom loved playing music yes. uh, all the time, and what were some of those artists? And do you know how your mom got to be into that music? My parents have not known each other since like they were 15, and my dad, you know, playing guitar, and then being in bands like in high school and then after that and then my mom knowing these people so she was around musicians already mm-hmm. actually and and knew actually was was involved with uh, some pretty heavy hitters from Detroit being in the same circle as like Anita Baker oh yeah and and another band i can't remember their name right now but they were like her backup backup band and being involved with them and so not just being knowing musicians like locally then also like professional music musicians yeah. locally, you know totally getting in, into that a lot of times i was listening to you know mom was totally into like what was going on currently at the time so you know like showing my age in the 80s lisa lisa and cult jam in excess yeah. is on the radio we were jamming and and getting down in the car or next door neighbor at a pool put the radio on like on a, on a table or you know a window ledge crank it and then <laughs> and just and just have a good time but also she was so we were always into that and then later she would be introducing me to bands like all right sit down we're gonna listen to records oh so you know listening to led zeppelin listening yeah to queen to james taylor mom's the one who got me i mean she she said i I mean obviously i was a baby and so i don't remember this and she was like yeah when i was you know when you were tiny when you were a tiny little guy you know we were listening to billy holiday we were you know we were you know you and me and wow uh, so that was pretty cool which i could remember that no i mean and now i'm into you know i'm into her now and you know she introduced me to my two favorite soul men al green and bill withers yeah yeah just the coolest and yeah so she would just like sit me down and just like hey you got to check this out and you know and sometimes i didn't like it and sometimes but most times i did and i was like yeah this is really cool and yeah so i thank her for that the whole introduction experience what does it mean to you for your mom to have done that for you it means the world i mean you know playing all that stuff for me and then, you know, it got, it got into me. And, you know, I mean, my father would do the same thing, either seeing him in a band. And he, he tried to teach me guitar when I was like 11 or 12, but I did not have the patience at all, you know, because I wanted to be awesome right away. And, you know, right. I'm going to shred, you know, <laughs> you got you to gotta have the fundamentals there. And he's the one who introduced me to Hendrix. And I remember we, a lot of times we'd be driving around in the car and listening to Paul McCartney and yeah. you know I would get like that side from him but I would I would get that side from my mom as well but also like more new stuff 
So, and, and the thing is, my mom did have me fairly young, so we did a kind of a growing up together. So we also liked the same things growing mm -hmm. up. Like she was into Nirvana the same time I was. Oh, wow. So she'd be like, so I'd be listening to it and, and, and maybe I introduced that to her. I, I don't remember. It's like, wow, this is really, really good. It was definitely, you know, because it was a, you know, an ongoing thing. So I'm grateful to, you know, both my parents for giving me a background to stand on. Yeah. And then, and then I started finding out what I was into, as far as who was, who was new, like you know, Nirvana. But talk about you know those bands that you started really dabbling into as a middle schooler. Well, I mean, a number one, you two, you know it. <laughs> Like I'm, you know, and the thing is like acting baby is my favorite U2 record. That's, Same. I think it's my favorite record of all time. I have, like, I even have like some of the, the fly shades that like U2 made. Oh. <laughs> like I found them on eBay years ago and I'm like, Oh, I've been wanting one of those since I was like 11. Cause it's just Dude. as the fly was just the coolest. You know what I mean? Yeah. So loving them, you know, one is the greatest song of all time type of type of mentality <laughs> so listening to them was it was enormous second was red hot chili peppers loved red hot chili peppers coming home from school flipping on mtv and seeing under the bridge the videos for under the bridge and like give it away mm -hmm. especially yeah. give it away i was just like that is an amazing song i didn't know why i just loved it I just, I wanted to jump around and it made me happy and it was just fun. I didn't get into the music side of it yet. I was just like, this is really good. This is what I like. And also, you know, the Breeders, big Kim Deal fan when they came out. And um, I mean, a lot, you know, a lot of grunge stuff, Pearl Jam, Pumpkins. Mm. So just kind of absorbing all of that and like, yes, this is what I go for. So. Did all of that come from MTV or was it other opportunities? That... Oh, yeah. As, as, as far as like discovering music, it, it pretty much was MTV. MTV and, you know, local radio station 89X. And listening to that, you know, all night long when I wasn't sleeping, when I should have been on a school night. <laughs> and I'd get Cowboy Junkies, Echo and the Bunny. Oh, yeah. And uh, they would play like older alternative, you know, the cure crowded house and being like, wow, this is really, really good. And I'd make, I'd make mixes, you know, with mixtape and, uh, you know, when you could record, record music and not get in trouble. So yeah, <laughs> if you haven't had a mixtape, you, you weren't living, but, uh, yeah, those were, those were like the two, like, I think big, like major ones. Yeah. For me. Well, it's, Let's delve into U2. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious, how did you come across U2? Was it an MTV video or? Well, that was, that was mom. Cause I mean, I remember, I remember listening to hearing stuff from the Joshua Tree as a kid, like in the eighties, like okay. hearing, you know, where the streets have no name on the radio. So it's always kind of been there. And then, but my mom was really into them. And so I get introduced to them and I was just like, especially, you know, hearing you know, acting baby for the first time. She would also go out and she'd like, I don't know, in the Joshua Tree. So bought that, Rattle and Hum, you know, Unforgettable yeah. Fire. And I, and I would listen to those tapes. 
tapes again dating myself but yeah she's the one who introduced me to that and i was just like like in comparison this is really really good there were some songs there were some songs that had to grow on me just because i was like well i like this song like you know even better than than the real thing love it now at the time mm-hmm. when i was a kid i was like yeah this is okay and then but really getting into you know the fly and mysterious ways and and then discovering back catalog the unforgettable fire joshua tree and being like yeah. wow. and then and me listening to i remember uh unforgettable fire mom bought that tape and i started listening to the whole album i remember she hadn't listened to it and i was like mom this is really really good you got to hear this song and i was you know the, the title track unforgettable fire and she was like yeah this is cool i just remember that i have that specific memory mm. and so that was pretty cool so yeah, yeah, so she was she was definitely the, the the introduction there, and then you know watching MTV, getting to see music videos, and again, Bono thinking he was like just like the coolest guy with the <laughs> the sunglasses and the and the getup and the the leather pants and the everything. So yeah, and that was that was a big. I, I got to say, U two is a big cornerstone. Well, probably the cornerstone musically for me. These guys ended up being my Beatles. I like the Beatles and I listen to the Beatles, but these guys kind of took that, that foundation for me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and then listening to them growing up and then into high school and then as an adult and then finally getting to go to see them. And it's like, yes, this is how you do it. Even saying, you know, watching Elevation 2001 live from Boston and just being like, I want to do that. Actually, I actually (laughs) prayed. I was like, God, Teach me to do that. I want to do that. That look, that's incredible. So, and uh, a year later, uh, exit the ordinary happens. Maybe that's too. Maybe I'm getting too far far ahead of myself here. What do you think it is about you two that that makes them your cornerstone as a band when it comes to music? Excellent hooks. Adam Clayton is a really solid bass player. Yeah, he is. He's he's really solid. He may not be the most complicated, but he is rock solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry is, I don't think Larry is listening to a click in his headphones and his in-ears. I think he is a click. You know what I mean? He's just, he just keeps it. He's steady. He's steady. And then, and then the personality of, of Bono and then getting into not just why I liked a song because the, I, thought, I thought the music was cool, but then getting into the lyrics and like, yeah. oh, this is really about something and having that explained to me maybe if i didn't understand it you know for my mom or picking up on it on my about it by myself and it's like oh this is about a relationship i get it yeah so just bono is a storyteller and that you know over the years more and more mm-hmm. is you know i would i would rank him with you know springsteen and bob dylan as far as like really having those words yeah to capture what it is that you feel and being able to identify with it when he he does such such a good job of conveying it too yeah and and then the thing that i've always appreciated about bono and i think this is the same way with springsteen and dylan there's multiple meanings that you could take from those lyrics yeah it's not clear yeah it's not 100 percent, but you can you can you can project yourself onto it and be like, yes, I totally get this. Yeah. This is, this is me right now. Or 
Mm-hmm. I, or that's where I have, that's something I have been, you know, experienced in the past. Right. So yeah, no, it's totally, that was the other aspect of connection with you too. was like, wow, he really knows what he's talking about. Yeah. I'm curious what about Octung baby do you like so much as it is your all time favorite album? Yeah. As well as my all time favorite album of any artists, yeah. let alone you too. What, what is it about for you? It's playful in its, in like the rhythm section. I mean, it's a very heavy album, you know, yeah. subject wise oh, yeah. again, you know, the edge king of just playing a lot of hooks and, yeah. and I love the, the mixture of their, you know, this is the first time they're exploring, you know, beats and kind of like the dance aspect of mm-hmm. club music and bringing that into rock, but also the really raw guitar tones from the edge. Yeah. Like, you know, listen to the fly. It's all beat and groove on the rhythm section. And then there's him just like totally ripping and it just, it's like, it's raw and it's gritty and it, and it, the two merge and they fit. And it's like, that's pretty smart. It's like, and it just, it holds up subject wise. And, and as far, yeah, as far as being my favorite still, I think a good album should be like a whole thought, like a, like a good, like a whole idea not just a bunch of tiny chopped up ideas. You know, you can listen yeah. to albums and you feel that way. Yeah. And that one's definitely a whole thought. That's the way I put it, quote unquote. And it's just, it's still satisfying just to this mm. day. And then, you know, the relationship messages and it's like oh especially as I get older i'm like oh i get that now yeah <laughs> yeah i you two's one was okay to me until you know i went through an end of a relationship and it just like whoa yeah like, dang <laughs> yeah i didn't know i would connect with it when i you know when I first heard it i didn't yeah. just would have thought eh, all right that's a good song yeah, definitely. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, you got to, yeah. yeah. And again, the writing aspect on that, like, holy cow, you know, the yeah. lyrics in that song. What's interesting, I don't know if you remember this, but The Edge was going through a divorce during that time. Yeah. And then there was a lot of infighting within the band, too. They almost broke up. Right. And so I think those two reasons really created this beautiful album that they were able to make in the midst of all the difficulty and pain that they were going through. Yeah. I I remember, um, yeah, seeing interviews about that. And then, and one thing I've always appreciated about them, which is what I finally understood when I joined exit, the ordinary was first we're friends that's what it's about. And I, and I remember seeing an interview with them about, all right, well, this is the expectations we're going to have for each other. If the band is coming in, in the way, then you two has to go. Mm-hmm. And if it was going to mess up with their, with their, with their friendship and then understanding that, you know, having being an ex of the ordinary and uh, having different band members and, and it, it definitely became a, a friendship family, you know, mentality. That's what I felt like. I mean, you know, I talked to Tim yesterday. 
Nice. Especially, you know, Tim and I were the longest lasting members. Uh, a few different drummers, as you mentioned, Kyle uh, was our was our last drummer. Awesome guy. We don't get to connect as much as you know. I wish we did. But he's he's basically being the coffee mogul in of, yeah, of Windsor, is. Ontario. Man, he's rocking it. <laughs> but there was def- there's definitely the family aspect of I get that and like the the conflict that you two was feeling that spawned some great like you know a great yeah. inspired record. And just having, you know, going through highs and lows with them, but, you know, it was based on friendship and then seeing that, seeing that mirrored in like interviews of like Mewtwo from that time was, I understood it and Mm -hmm. yeah, how beauty can come out of that conflict and pain. Yeah. So what's really cool about you two is, I mean, they've been together for 45 years. Yeah. All four of them. Yeah. Nobody dropping, nobody coming in. Just those four guys yep. for forty-five years. I don't know of any other band that has stuck together that long. Right? Yeah, I can't you think. Know, of... Like, I mean, the Rolling Stones have been around longer, but they've had people pass away, right. people leave. It's remarkable yeah. that they're together. It says a lot about them, I think, too. Yeah, I think it says a lot about the character as well. It's us, and it's nobody, and and nobody else. You know? Yeah. So, what was it like to finally see you two? Oh man, I first time I saw you two was Pop Mart, October thirty first, Pony Silverdome. So yeah. it was also Larry Mullen Jr.'s birthday. So nice. So like seventy thousand people started get. They brought out a cake, and you know they're. So we all got to sing happy birthday to Larry and it was just like, it was incredible. Like that, like it wasn't the best concert I've ever been to, but like, well, it was was Pop Mart. (laughs) It was Pop Mart. Pop Pop has some good songs, but that's a different, you know, that's a different combo, but that's the most underrated album of theirs. In my opinion, it did not do well. Yeah. But there's, I mean, there's definitely some gold on that album that does get over. Oh yeah, big time. I think I think Zeropa is the same way. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was like, I get to see my heroes tonight. There yeah. they are. It's actually them. And then just the enormity of the stage. It was just like you like pictures do not do it justice. Like I'll go back yeah. and, and look at it now. It was just imagine one side of the Silver Dome, of any arena just being filled with a TV screen and, a right. gi- and that, that, that disco lemon and the giant arch, you know, it was yep. just, it was enormous. It really was like, and it was just, I don't know. It was just like, Whoa, it's happening. It's them. It's actually them. And then getting to hear my favorite songs. Um, unfortunately we had to leave before the show ended. My stepdad who came with us wasn't feeling good. Oh. So she was like, so it was like, okay, He's not feeling so great. We'll wait till with or without you, and then we'll take off. So I didn't get the last four songs. I didn't get to see, but it was just like, it was incredible. You know, I had to, I had to do something. I had to get something. I was like, I was there. I got it. So I got, you know, uh, I, I bought a hat while I was there because it was like the only thing I could really, really afford. And so I was busting. I was walking around with my pop hat, not wherever I went, but you know, because I'm not a big hat guy. I think hats make me look dumb. And <laughs> I'm looking at the set list 
because I am that big of a nerd on <laughs> you too. So it was Halloween. Yeah. That you saw them. Yeah. And like you said, it was Larry's birthday. So, but you missed out on Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, yeah. Mysterious Ways, One. One. Yeah. And Wake Up Dead Man. Yeah. But you, there was so many good songs on that night. I bet oh, you had yeah. a blast. It was, yeah. I mean, part of it was taking it all in was the, you know, whoa, I'm in the same room as, as, as you too. This is really happening. <laughs> you know, there, you know, there they are. And, you know, cause that was the first time, you know, I started going, really started going to concerts in, in high school, early high school, like, uh, like with my youth group and seeing, and seeing bands, but seeing you too was such a big, such a big deal. And like all the songs I remember and the sound, I mean, the Pontiac Silverdome, if anybody who knows it, it was not acoustically no built for anything good. But you can nope. understand actually what you know when when Bono would just start talking. You know, it was just like, oh, you can actually understand it. And, and I remember my mom being like, I actually hear what they're saying. That's actually pretty good for this place. Being excited. I remember specifically hearing one song that really stuck out was "Last Night on Earth." Oh yeah. And it, I don't know, it was really, it was just sweet. It's a great song. That's one. Yeah. That's that's. I think that's one of the overlooked one. Definitely one of the overlooked ones on on pop. And then. I remember that specifically just, you know, and the visuals of Edge and Bono singing with each other. You got to give it away, give it away, give, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, the call in return. But that was one of the, that was one of the highlights of the night. I was like, wow, this is awesome. You know, wow. and just being like, because a lot of it is a blur just because I was kind of like absorbing it at the same time. Still in the past few years, starting to get into concerts and, uh, you know, that I wanted to go see or that my mom would let me go see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was the big one. It's like, no, you can't go see them. Who are some of the artists that you couldn't go see? Well, I did. I initially wanted to see because my mom went to Zoo TV. At, at uh, oh, so and that was that was the first time she got to see them. I know, epic, right? And now I know people who who were there at that that same night, and they're like, "Yeah, it was incredible." And I was like, "Oh, I want to go. That would be so cool." And it was like, "Nah, eh, it's a Sunday. It's a school night. Yeah, you're not gonna go." Sorry, buddy. Which I mean, totally makes sense. Yeah. Let's see. I tried to go see Green Day once because every kid, oh, nice, had Dookie. Yeah. On on tape or CD. I have a theory that Dookie for like my generation, like growing up, was kind of like Frampton Comes Alive. Like for my mom, everybody had it, and he listened yeah. to it. There's the Wayne's World joke of. It was issued to your in mailboxes with little boxes of Tide, but I was like, "Yeah, totally." That, and so um, there was definitely a, okay. Yeah, well, we'll see. I know you want to go, you know, see these guys, and you know, it didn't end up happening. I wasn't all that aware too much of who was coming to town and who wasn't, like in middle school. But you know, when I found out about Green Day, I was like, "Oh, I wanted to go, wanted to go see see Green Day." Loved Green Day, and I remember seeing. I remember being at like a local big boy and seeing promo stands like on the table for zoo tv coming to town and i was like oh that would be so that'd be so awesome and um so yeah they were there wasn't a whole lot of well you can't go see these guys it was there was some of that but some of it was i didn't realize who was just coming to town so there was no internet yet 
yeah. pre-internet, so you didn't, you know, who was coming to town. No, no phones telling you, announcing when your favorite bands are coming to town. I got into that more into into high school and being able to look that up. And you know, the way I found out actually about that, I went to a. It's kind of funny. I uh, for the last three years of high school, I went to a small conservative Baptist school up in Oxford uh, called Oxford Christian Academy, which actually was really really good for me. It was I started having a, a lot of like just like personal emotional issues just about my parents' divorce. That kicked yeah. up, and that really kicked up when I was a freshman at Rochester High. I don't know. I needed a different environment, and so my aunt Lisa, actually, uh, who lives in Oxford, suggested that place, and I ended up going there. Long story short, I was the way I found out about it because they aren't big on rock and roll. So there was a newspaper sitting on my teacher's desk, and I saw a picture of Bono up in the corner, and it's like you too is coming to town with Pop Mart, and I'm like, they are. And so that's where I found out it was actually at school nice. and uh, at, at my conservative school. And and that's when I found out. And that's when I told, told mom and my stepdad, Jack. And then uh, I remember MTV had this big night of like, you two selling tickets and this is all we're going to broadcast for your, you know, for your specific towns. And so we got our tickets and wow. Yeah. And that's that's how I found out about that. And then that was the first like major, major concert I ever saw. Well, no, that's not true. The first concert I ever saw, I don't really remember. I think I have a memory of it, is Michael Jackson. What? Yeah. It was it was Michael Jackson like thriller tour slash like Jackson's Victory Tour. Dang, and, and and that was at that was at Silverdome. And my mom took me to that. Just I mean, every I mean growing up especially growing up in America, you know, Michael, oh, Michael Jackson, you know, yeah. a number one. So you would have been, I was been really young. Yeah. At that time, I was right? like three or four. So it was, yeah. so she let me, so she let me go that. And apparently, you know, from what she tells me, I had a great time. I, I had dance moves down. I was going for it, you know, <laughs> dude, seeing MJ, you know, kick it. So that was, that was my first concert. So, and my first concert was a major concert, but I don't really remember it. So yeah. seeing Pop Mart was, was a big deal, you know, Thanks. you know, for me. Thanks, man. Let's talk about high school. Yeah. You have, and I'm wondering if this switches because of what you mentioned earlier with going to the Christian school, yeah. but you really start listening to a lot of Christian music at the time. Yeah. DC talk, audio adrenaline, newsboys. Jars of Clay, Switchfoot. Is that a fair? Oh, yeah. yeah. Was I right? Dead on? Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, I, that's when I started going to see concerts, was seeing, going to see like Christian bands with my youth group. I was a, mm-hmm. I was a Bible quizzer with my church. And so, like, they had these things called Second Saturdays in, in local Detroit where, like, they'd bring a band into town. And oh, Second wow. Saturdays also happened to be when our quizzes were. So we'd get together we do the quiz and you know, mm-hmm. you're meeting not, you're not just with your friends on your team, but you know, a bunch of other, you know, kids from, from the area who are quizzing too. And you're friends with them and like, are you going to see newsboys tonight? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> so that's where I started seeing shows. And actually the band I've seen the most went to go and paid money to see was actually was audio adrenaline. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I remember counting it. It was like, I've seen them 12 times. Dang, dude. Yeah. Because, and I started, and that's when I started getting into like Christian rock was like, because I had, I had no clue what that was. 
And so, you know, we, we started going to church and I got into the youth group and then started Bible quizzing and uh, our youth group, I had the best like youth leaders like ever, Don and Paul, mm. Pat and Oster. They had a lending library of like a bunch of tapes with, with all these, these bands and artists. And I didn't know who any of them were. And so I picked up and I was like, uh, I don't know. And I picked up an audio adrenaline tape and I looked at the bass player, Will McGinnis. And he, had, he had this bleach blonde hair and, you know, and, yeah. you know, I was like, uh, that guy looks cool. I'll give these guys a chance. And I ended up liking it. And then really soon afterwards, they, they came to town. So I got to see them pretty fast and early on. And he actually, it was actually him. And then meeting him afterwards, it was actually Will McGinnis that got me to pick up a bass. Oh yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't flea. It wasn't, it wasn't Adam Clayton. <laughs> it was him. And just like getting to meet him and he was just like the best guy, you know what I mean? So I started, so I picked up a bass and, and, and I was like, all right, this is what makes sense to me. This instrument, this specific instrument makes sense to me because I tried, you know, I did drums in school. Again, I tried, my, my, my father tried teaching me guitar. I just didn't have the patience for it as a kid. And then when I finally had some focus, I picked up a bass and I was just like, this is where it's at. And, yeah. and that's when I started playing that. So I have you know, audio adrenaline to thank for picking up an instrument. So yeah, and then getting into them and seeing them, you know, obviously DC Talk, Jesus Freak, Enormous, right. Newsboys. And one thing that was cool was that the guy who taught me how to play bass, mm-hmm. Dave Wilstermann, he's my Jedi master as far as bass goes. He actually, because Jeff Frankenstein is from the Detroit area, the key, keyboardist for the oh. Newsboys. And he knew him at, they went to Wayne State together. Wow. So yeah, so they were friends. And I actually got to meet up with him, like also like growing up holiday parties when he would come home you know people would hang out so that was pretty sweet Dang. i didn't get to know him know him but you know but yeah it's but... like i'll hang out with a newsboy for the night that'd be cool so getting into them switchfoot was a big one still is love switchfoot i gotta say john foreman the words of john foreman and like bono have gotten gotten me through a lot of stuff uh john foreman's definitely a storyteller as well yeah and just how honest he is in his writing a great music b again like you two identifying with switchfoot really hard you get into them also a lot of like tooth and nail bands i loved guardian plank eye those guys so a skillet before they went ginormous you know sixpence same deal it spoke to me not on like a personal level but also on a spiritual level as far as like mm. yeah i'm having it I'm having an issue with this area and you guys are singing about it. Listening to, you know, Christian rock bands, especially like All-Star United, loved All-Star United and they're big Blur fans, which I didn't know or understand at the time. Okay. So, and then afterwards I got into Blur. That's one of the bands I kind of discovered on my own. But yeah, listening to Christian rock and then, you know, when a new U2 album came out, you know, pop or, you know, all that you can't leave behind. So it was, it was kind of, it was a mixture of the two those influences right there so so you mentioned uh picking up the bass was from uh will mcginnis what was it like to play that instrument at the beginning really it was fun my teacher dave made it made it fun he made it interesting it was challenging and entertaining at the same time like he was a really good teacher for that and i only only was able to have lessons for about a year Dave got married and moved to Nashville. So oh. also I would get to travel, see him 
go down there, which was the beginning of my love for the city of Nashville and just wanting to live there before even I was a musician, musician Mm -hmm. in a band or, you know, writing. Yeah, it was, it just, it was really fun. It was a different, I don't know, it was a different aspect of music. It was, I mean, I always wanted to be a drummer, so rhythm made sense to me. And so playing bass just fit right, right right into that yeah. into that same you know feeling that same line of thinking mm-hmm. so and just kept playing and playing and playing and then dave taught me got me started and then i kind of taught myself for for the rest of the time that was and that was uh, music was a big thing because growing up what i wanted to do was i wanted to work for jim henson i love the muppets oh. and i was really big into art drawing painting in fact in school like look you're like in parent teacher conferences your son is really good i'm not trying to like brag or anything this is like never like yeah if he wants to do like continued stuff there's like programs and like computer he can he can draw he can animate he can do stuff and we'll allow him to do that so i was i was big time into into drawing and then when i, I picked up that instrument it something clicked when i picked up bass but and i like i kind of stopped drawing I stopped art for a while mm. and I, and I focused solely on, on playing bass and I don't know, it just, it just made sense to me that really, really clicked again. It's fun. It's the foundation. It's the, you know, of, of, of a song. So you got to be on and, but I like the challenge and is when Dave was teaching me, that was a big deal. I just, I just really enjoyed it. And this, I was like, this, this is what it, this is where it's at. And so, and eventually later on, you know, some years later, I got back into painting and drawing and doing art by hand. But when I realized, because I always loved music, but now I can actually play music. That was, that was a whole different, that was a whole big thing. It's like, oh, I can sort of do this now. And so I'd learn, I'd learn songs from Off Joshua Tree or yeah. an audio drawing song or, you know, that, that he would teach me. It just made complete sense. And it's like, okay. This is this is for you. This is your thing, and you know that's what it felt like. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was a lot of fun to be able to play those songs that oh, yeah. you really enjoy too. That was the thing. Yeah, it was like, and and the way uh, Dave worked was it was he would start to teach, start teaching me. Okay, do, why don't you do this and why don't you do the octave? Let's let's try this over and over again. And then he was showing, and then he eventually showed me, I'm teaching you one of your favorite songs. And I'll be like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> On top of just being a great guy, great teacher, great bass player. And he's had, you know, success with, you know, living in Nashville, playing, you know, playing bass with, with uh, different bands. But yeah, it was totally like, <laughs> the band that he was in was called Glorious Thunder. And the first thing he made me do was learn his album. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> learn my bass parts. So I started learning that. And because I was into them as well. Because I was like, yeah, this is my teacher's band. They're awesome. And so I, you know, I learned that. And then he would teach me, all right, well, this is, you two steps, plays a step down from, from standard that, that, from what I've been teaching you. And this is how. This is how with or without you goes and you know and then learning that and just being like oh i can do it you know not that yeah. not only that it was fun doing it you know the realization that i can do it and just it was just it's a total blast like i wouldn't play 
I, if I had to choose an instrument, it would be bass over over any other one. Even wow. though it might be harder to, to write on, but it's 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 just that's musically that's where my heart is. Yeah, is is laying down the boogie and playing that funky music <laughs> till I die. Let's talk about the the band. Yeah, because that was the next step for you. You start playing bass for Exit the Ordinary. Yep. Talk about what that experience was like and what was it like to be in a band? I had never, I had tried starting a band with, with friends, but we like before that, but it never really got off the ground. Like me, my best and my best friend, Matt Adair started a, he was, he was drummer and we were kind of in a band with these two other guys, uh, brothers, Joel and Jason Wonky. And we were trying to make that work and we loved doing it. And then it just kind of didn't work out or they, they joined other bands or something. And then so we tried going, the two of us, and finding another person was really hard. Finding a, a guitarist. We were called, we, we decided on the name One More Day. That was our band name. It's kind of hopeful, kind of, you know, hopefully, you know, kind of memorable. And yeah. then eventually we did get a guitarist. His name was Nathan. And we only ever played one show, and it's on it's on tape somewhere. Um, well, I have the tape. The problem is getting a VCR and it and the where, footage. Where are is, those? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's the thing I used to put sandwiches in when I was a kid. No, but um, <laughs> so that was kind of the first introduction to like being in a band and you know trying to make it happen. And and it just and that kind of fell apart. And then what happened was uh, at Rochester, I went to Rochester College, now Rochester University. I met up and became friends with Nolan Rossi. I don't know if you know him, you know, from Huddle, Schaefer, uh, local. I don't, I don't recall. Local Detroit, you know, rock band. Uh, and we became friends. And so and I'd, and I'd go see him and I'd go see them play, and, you know, and then, you know, became friends with, he was in a band with his brothers, Brian and Danny. So, you know, getting to know them and be friends with them. And then when One More Day was kind of fell apart, I actually, I emailed them and said, Hey, if you know anybody that's looking for a bass player, you know, this is my number, give me a call. And I hadn't, and it was like a couple months or something went by and I kind of figured, Oh, maybe didn't really, maybe didn't get it or, you know, whatever. And then out of the blue, one day it was like, Hey, my friend Tim has, is looking for a bass player. This is his number. Call him and check it out. So I did. And, uh, that was the first time, that was the first time I met Tim. Wow. Was in in his in his parents' basement trying out for for this band. It went re- and it and it ended up going really well. I found out later that they were like, "Oh man, I really hope this Justin kid will, you know, will play, will will be in the band with us." Which I didn't know that at the time. And and the thing is, I had met and the drummer at the time, Ben. Meeting Tim and Ben, uh, our connection was music, which was cool. But I didn't know them yet. So as far as like, part of me was like, well, they're cool, but I don't know these guys. I, I want to be in a friend. I want to be in a band with my with people that I with with my friends that I already know. So I almost didn't do it, and it was actually I was prodded by my mom to join a band. Wow! So it's like, hey, you know what? Think about it, man. You got nothing to lose. Just go for it. Have fun. And so I was like, you know what? Yeah. So I said. Uh, I got I got the offer. I said yes, and we we rocked it for eleven years. There were a few different drummers, 
especially now with Tim, who is now like a brother to me, getting to know people just on the music level. And then, when, you know, we're spending time together and hanging out and, you know, on road trips to play shows somewhere, play at a festival or play at a, a show somewhere on the road is when we got to know each other and, you know, mm-hmm. laughing and giggling like, like dorks. And, you know, <laughs> that's what I felt. I mean, when you're, when you're, you know, you're, you're 21 and total guy time in a big van. And so, you know, we're listening to Weezer and, you know, we're jamming and cracking jokes and you're getting to know each other, not just fellow musicians, but as, as friends. And then the friend mentality turned into a family mentality. And I really equate being in a band kind of like being in a marriage. It was, you know, getting to know each other and we started writing together and getting to know how other people write and getting used to them. And now Tim and I can just like look at each other and especially on stage. And I think still, and just be like, Oh, that's what you mean. Oh, this is happening. Just with the one look, just, you get to know somebody that well, something's up and you just look at each other and Oh, yep. Okay. Oh, yep. Cut that. We're going to stop that. Or, or that's good. Keep going. Uh, so yeah, it definitely became the best, you know, not only having the music in common, but our friendship and our faith and that it came and it all, and it all clicks. The first show we played was, was like two weeks after I joined. It was a battle of bands for a local festival, which is now gone called Blitzfest. The winner of the battle of bands got to play main stage and open for main stage. We played, we didn't win. From what we could tell, we came in, we were real close. We were like number four or something. And after that night, I mean, we didn't know when we were going to go on. It was all like random at the draw of a hat type mm-hmm. of thing. And so I was really nervous. And I was like, oh man, when are we going to play? Is it now? No, it's not now. Is it now? No. Is it now? Yes. Okay. We go, All right. We got we to gotta load up and, you know, get our stuff going. Oh, I was so nervous that night. I was so nervous that night. But and and we got on and we played and we pulled it off. We did it. I learned the songs Tim and Ben had written already. Learning those and I was like, oh, I'm messing. I felt like I was, you know, and I did, you know, kind of mess up some. I was just, I was nervous, but we did it and people really, really liked it. And then once we were done, I was just like, I feel like I could fly. Like it yeah. was, it was just, it was, it was just an incredible feeling to be able to play. Mm-hmm. And not like the not and not really not necessarily like the the rec, the recognition. It was just like we did it. We pulled it off. This is the best feeling in the world that I. This is the best feeling I've ever had. I could do this for the rest of my life. We we actually we did get signed about three years later. It was just the best best feeling in the world. Best connection with with people. You're doing something that you love with people you love. When we called it quits, you know, I was already writing my own my own songs and stuff but that's when i really started focusing on it writing my own things and came out with an with an ep 2019 during summer 2019 so i wanted to talk about your your solo stuff too for example keep on moving i forget when you released that uh yeah that was uh last year sometime yeah it was it was december it was like tail end so Last summer during COVID, during the super lockdown, I had this, just kind of got this idea for the guitar line for for Keep On Moving. I thought I had something, it's like I got something, something good here, so I want to, you know, flesh that out more. I ended up recording it. It was recorded, written, 
and somewhat in, inspired by, you know, by being, by the lockdown. And so I, re, I was able to record because, you know, now because you have the right software on your computer, you do stuff at home. So I'm recording my bit and I actually sent, I actually sent it to Tim, who now lives in, in Nashville. And he was like, this is cool. And he would, he would actually, he did the, he did the drums and the synth on that song. Okay. So it was cool to be able to collaborate again, you know, with my best friend submitting it to places online for reviews and all this kind of stuff. And it got a really good response. So I'm yeah. really happy with that song. And, you know, whenever, whenever I write, I try, I try to make it positive in a way, you know, you listen to keep on moving. It's about keeping on, keep on moving, keep on, keep on keeping on, you know, things, things are hard, things might suck, but you know, you got, you got to keep moving. You got to keep going you got to keep going forward. And cause I've been in places personally where it's like, no, I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm staying right here. As scary as it is, you have to, you have to keep pressing forward in, in whatever it is, whether it's a relationship or, or the loss of a relationship or a, just what, whatever it is that you're dealing with. That's, that may be hard right. or that you don't want to, that you don't want to deal with, or you might just, even if I'm dealing with like, I try to put like a heavier subject in there. I want ultimately like the end to be positive. So I want to encourage people. So that's kind of my main, like when I'm writing, like, yeah, I want people to feel that. I, and, you know, I want to identify with people and hopefully they will identify with what, I, what I've written. Like when I've identified with Switchfoot, yeah. U2 type of thing. Not that I'm U2 Switchfoot, but it's just. It makes sense that you are, writing in a similar style mindset as John Foreman or Obama. Yeah. It's, it's not surprising. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's cool. Yeah. And I, uh, so, I mean, you know, I hope, you know, people take a listen to it and, you know, I'm on Spotify. I'm on everything downloadable pretty much, but, uh, and I've gotten some really good response for actually from like around the world. Yeah. Not just here, but you know, South America, Eastern Europe, Russia, I've gotten, you know, things, you know, things back like this, oh, this is, this is fire, bro. You know, you know, a little fire <laughs> emoji. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I mean, yeah, it makes you feel good. It's like, cool. I got to connect with a complete stranger on something that I don't know that they're dealing with or that they're going through. And I was able to like help just to have that connection is, is just mm-hmm. really cool. So that's what I'm doing. I'm writing right now, writing new stuff and started recording some demos actually oh. past few days so sweet still so keeping going keeping um keep on moving keep on moving so yeah rocking it currently you're still listening to a lot of alternative uh music yeah like the breeders the pixies blur is that just a continuation or uh something that's more new and recent that's you know especially blur and pixies that's con- that's a continuation I was a, Bre- a Breeders fan before I was a Pixies fan because I fell in love with Kim Deal. So I was into the Breeders first, and they and they came out with uh, their album Last Splash in middle school. So they were one of the bands that was like, I when I liked when I was choosing music that I liked, I was like, oh, I like this. And so and she used to be, and Kim used to be the bass player for the Pixies. Pixies broke up, and then they got back together, and then. So I started giving the Pixies more of a chance, and then I was like, "Oh, this is good." And so they were definitely a continuation, like new stuff, new bands that I've been 
that I've been really, really digging recently has been Wolf Alice. Okay. I uh, really like those guys. Wolf Alice, Royal Blood, bands that have, you know, the past few years that have come along, like Young the Giant. I'm mm-hmm. really into those guys. And it's funny, Mom and I are still introducing each other to things. Nice. You know, uh, so I'm like, hey, these guys are really good. I think you'd like them. And she's like, yeah, that Young the Giant song. I like those guys. That was really good. And so when she's exercising, you know, I, I made her like a Spotify, like, <laughs> like mix list of yeah. a bunch of stuff. She was like, yeah, thank you for putting stuff that I, that I already like on it. You know, Derek and the Dominoes, you know, Clapton from back in the day, but also throwing some stuff that I liked on there. And I, I think you'd like it. So we're still in the process of exchanging music, which is cool. You know, that never stopped. So yeah, definitely them, Wolf Alice, Young the Giant, Royal Blood, really getting into them, loving Daft Punk. Yeah. Which, you know, rest in peace. It's crazy. That was sad. Yeah. One thing that was a, is a continuation that actually we didn't, we, we, never, we haven't touched on yet is David Bowie. Yeah. Because what I got, I got into David Bowie, again, from a Jim Henson movie, Labyrinth. Okay. And that's how I got into Bowie. And I was like, who is this guy? And then mom introduced me to, to him. And then, because hmm. he just, he happened to be in the movie that I wanted to rent that that weekend or something, you know, it's, it's a Jim Henson movie. I hadn't seen it. So that's where I got, that was my first taste of David Bowie. And then I actually got to see him on his last tour. Dang. And that was a total, I call it a blessing because I was just like, because, you know, I love David Bowie. You know, my stepfather used to be a butcher for like 25 years. He had a store, you know, successful, very, very well known around town in Rochester. So, and I was doing all that, like the really hard and, nasty dirty stuff being a butcher shop you know but we had the radio on all the time and you know it'd be an oldie station but you know they'd be playing fame and i'm like yeah turn it up you know while i'm scraping blood off of something you know and i know that sounds kind of nasty but and i heard he was and on the radio i heard he was coming to town i was like oh and it's something inside of me was just like oh i would desperately want to go to that that would be Mm. incredible I was like, oh man, I'm thinking we'll be able to get tickets. And then our drummer, Exit the Ordinary, first drummer, Ben, the guy he worked with ended up, he had two tickets but wasn't able to go. And he was like, uh, dude, I know Nimi's going to be totally on this. I, you know, I let him know. And so, real quick, I got like from having no tickets to two tickets. And I couldn't get anyone else to go with me. So I just went by myself. I was even like, mom, you got. I got tickets for David Bowie. You got to come. And it's just like, Oh, I'm already committed to doing something that night. And there was stuff I knew. And then I got introduced to a bunch of stuff that I didn't know. Like, Mm. you know, David Bowie is definitely the all or nothing kind of, you know, mentality with his career. Even if it, even if it fell on his face, this, it was a hundred percent him. You know what I mean? Right. Um, And so I got introduced to songs that I didn't know that night that he would introduce or, or an album that he didn't, he he didn't go on tour for it. and then and it got you know getting into some deep cuts and then it's so Bowie since I was a kid growing up you know watching Labyrinth and, and listening to stuff and then being able to see him live that was just incredible and then unfortunately when he when he passed that was that was a real hard one that was a hard one for me yeah but so yeah Bowie has been a continuation and then of course continuation of Death Cab for Cutie right whenever Blur or Damon Albarn does anything 
side project or Blair's last album was 2015. But he, many, well, people might not know, Damon Albarn is also the front man for Gorillaz. So that he, I didn't know that he's, he's 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 the guy singing. Wow, you know, feel good. That's him. Yeah. you know. So getting into you know Gorillaz and it's you know it's really cre- it's hip hop, but it, and it's really creative. It's musical, you know. Mm-hmm. So well, and then the visual. Oh side yeah, of it and too. the visual like art aspect of it, and so yep. it's pretty incredible. So you know the bands that I have been listening to have been a cre- continuation, and you know, like the newer bands that that I mentioned. They're just new Sweet, new discoveries. So, what is it about music that makes us want to listen to it? Why do we enjoy music? Why do we enjoy music? It's as you said when you two would write some, something like that wasn't necessarily pinned down exactly what it was. It was open for interpretation. Yeah, you can put yourself into that, and I can still do that. Music is what emotions sound like. I think. Yeah. And even just the musical aspect you can identify with. Maybe it's the lyrics that you can identify with. It's music is like a like a friend gives you advice or you can or you can identify with sometimes. I mean it's completely, you know, subjective to the person to the person, to the listener. You get out whatever it is that you get out, but I think it's the I think it's the one art form that really, really connects with people on a on a on a basic level, on an everyday level. Mm-hmm. Yes, books and you know literature obviously do the same thing. But as far as like the quick access and hearing something that oh that's totally me on the radio or on Spotify, and then I just think it's automatically identifiable. It's it's fun. It's but it's also comforting. It can be it can be, and mm-hmm. it's it's a good way to spend your time, and it's and it's person and it's personal to you, and so you love those particular songs and you identify with that and so you're feeling down you know pop on some some weezer you know what i mean well justin thanks for doing this yeah thank you so much for having me man thank you for listening to soundtrack with kyle lichty Each person interviewed has created a playlist of the very songs that have impacted their life. If you are interested in listening to their playlist, you can head straight to our website at soundtrack.fireside.fm. Click on Soundtrack Playlist and it will take you straight to their playlist on Spotify. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at Soundtrack Podcast or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack.